Settling right into our number two of Green and Growing, I really hope you enjoyed listening to my trip to Serenby Farms in Chattahoochee Hills, almost down to Noonan, GA. Uh, that was at the beginning of the show at 6 o'clock. You can listen back later on today, wsbradio.com. Click on On Demand, and there you see all our shows, all the podcasts. Look for Green and Growing, and you'll have Hour 1, Hour 2, and Hour 3. So that was an Hour 1. It was a great, great time. I really like taking field trips and venturing out, seeing what different people are up to. Um, so that, Walter Reeves talking about pineapple. We have a lot more show to go. So as promised, your calls, 404-872-0750 out in Rockdale County. Drive it around, Nick. Maybe you're not even in Conyers anymore, but thanks for holding. Good morning. <laughs> How you doing, ma'am? You've probably traveled all the way to Augusta by now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I started in Jackson, and I called right while I was in Covington, so now I am in Conyers. So, oh, yeah. goodness. All right, great. Well, how can I be of service to you today? Okay, so my wife purchased two small apple trees because our son is obsessed with apples mm-hmm. and they're about five feet tall i planted them just a few months ago and they're starting to show leaves they're starting to, they're growing they're healthy but one is a, a yates apple and the other one's a red delicious okay. and the gentleman that she got the trees from said to plant them only four feet apart which I was like, oh, okay. She even wrote it down, like, word for word, what the guy said. And he got it. she got it from a local nursery. But what's kind of concerning is that the Yates gets 30 feet tall and 30 feet wide, and the, the uh, Red Delicious gets, it says, grows 30 feet. So am I, am I supposed to leave them that close, or do a couple years from now I'm supposed to pick one up and move it? You know, what I think he may have meant and he wasn't thinking when he was thinking about spacing. They generally, you know, at, at their, you know, after maybe three, four years of growth, when they're really starting to get into their own, so to speak, they can be eight or ten feet wide. So I wonder if the entire apple tree being eight feet wide, he was just thinking, oh, well, you know, the limbs go out, you know, four feet on one side. But then he wasn't accounting for the tree next to its limbs also uh, being four yeah. feet out. I kind of think that's maybe what it was so I would do at least uh eight feet apart if not more and you're still fine you know if if it is I know it's five feet tall so that's going to be a little bit of a process but to space them out Mm -hmm. a little bit better because one of the the worst starts well a bad soil but aside from that one of the worst starts that it could be off to is just not getting that good air circulation because they're crowded into one another and then you're gonna have limbs breaking you know as they're growing into each other side by Uh, side so while you're still early in the process yeah i would and that's great after one year's growth when they get to be you know five to seven feet tall that's wonderful yeah yeah okay thank you ma'am i really appreciate it i'll get home this afternoon and i'll dig one up and move them about four feet and have you done any pruning yet or anything uh, no, I've been trying to listen to you every Saturday on the way into work just to kind of learn a little bit. I'm afraid I'll butcher it if if I try to do it right now. You so. know, what I what I might do for you, Nick, because I know you're driving and it's probably going to be easier for me to do it this way. I'm going to put you back on hold to talk to Corey, who you spoke to when you called in. And Corey, either get Nick's email address or give him mine. Um, because what I refer to, I have not done fruit trees myself, full disclosure, like, you know, but one of the best publications out there is from the University of Georgia, of course, the Extension Agency, um, and their publication on pruning apples, and there's even videos out there as well, pruning any fruit trees, 
um, is so wonderful, and it's just really hard to describe on the radio. But those first few years of you pruning the branches and you know creating that scaffolding branch that it needs and, and developing the right shape, that is so key. And it'll make you feel so darn smart when you do it right. And then people look at your apple trees and they're shaped so beautifully. Um, and while it's still young, you know, and the branches, the limbs aren't as big around, it's going to be easier to prune now than waiting until those branches get really thick. Then you're having to climb up in a ladder and do all this kind of thing. So um, keeping you on the right regimen and keeping you on the right schedule for pruning, Nick, is going to be pretty important. And you will have plenty of Yates apples, plenty of Red Delicious. So I'll send you the link to uh, extension.uga.edu, but the specific link off the extension site to uh, a home orchard guide, if you will, for apples, and you'll be well on your way. And I had to look up Yates apples as well, a late fall variety. It ripens around late October, small, dark red, juicy. Uh, That sounds like a really good apple. So your son is going to be so thrilled. Thank you so much for calling, and we'll get that information to you. And like I said, you're just going to feel so smart when, when it's done right and you've got these diagrams. It is no fail. I guarantee it. All right, up next, we're going to say good morning to Todd calling from Atlanta. Welcome to Green and Growing. Hey, good morning. Hey. I've got uh, planted quite a few green pepper plants, bell pepper plants, and uh, as they've grown, the stems are turning black um, and seem to be uh, really turning black where the little branches come out of the, out of the main stem. Now, or do you see any leaves wilting yet? I don't see the leaves wilting yet. Most of the leaves look pretty good. Okay. Keep a close eye on it because on occasion, a little bit of discoloration on the stems, if they turn black or maybe purple, may be okay, especially there at the joint. Um, But if it continues to be a problem, it may become cankers, and that's called by fusarium wilt. Um, And that's a fungal disease. And so there's not going to be enough nutrients and moisture getting past that joint to the rest of the stem. So if you do get any fruit, it's probably going to turn out kind of black and mushy. Um, So keep an eye out for that fungal disease. Just make sure one of the easiest things to do when we try to get ahead of any wilt or rot or anything, you know, that's kind of originating at the base of the plant and at the roots and stuff, one of the the best defensive measures you can take, Todd, is making sure to not water it too much, not overwatering, and not watering overhead. You know, you're only watering at the base of the plant, not getting the leaves and everything wet. So be on the lookout for that. And you can also, you know, like I said, keep an eye on it. If the leaves don't start wilting and the black isn't getting bigger and bigger and bigger, it sometimes it that's just the way it is, and, and it's fine. But if you stay ahead of it, I would go ahead and just have a fungicide on hand as well just in case, but I would not say at this point the peppers are a lost cause. So keep it up. The gardener's shadow is going to be the best thing to prevent any further problems with the pepper plants. Thank you so much for calling. I love that. All right, 404-872-0750. We go to Jimmy and McDonough. Good morning. Thanks for calling from Henry County. Good morning, Ashley. Uh, My question is, is I... Uh, I seeded, I've been here 23 years in McDonough, and I seeded this yard 20 years ago with Bermuda, not be, uh, not Bermuda. I'm sorry, centipede, uh-huh. and it, it has it's very well established. But I've noticed in the middle of my yard, I've got uh, Bermuda growing all of a sudden, and I think it's germinated from my 
neighbor across the street. I got out there yesterday and trying to pull all that up. Is there any spray that I can spray that Bermuda to kill it and it not hurt the centipede? There is. Um, Clint Waltz and Walter, I remember, have had discussions about this. And, and it just goes round and round and round. People that have one grass, you know, that's unwanted in, in the lawn that they're trying to have. And so we try to combat which one's going to be strong. But um, the centipede is still healthy and pretty full, right? Uh, uh, yes. Okay. Yes. I've got the whole yard established just right here in the middle and I did, and I, I think I've noticed it. Maybe this is the third summer, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize what it was. And now, it has really gotten. It's probably about eight foot long and about four foot wide now. For when I first noticed it, I didn't get on it. I just didn't think about it. Oh, so the patch of Bermuda is getting that large now. Yes. Aye, aye, aye. Okay, so you're past the point of digging out the Bermuda grass. If it was small spots and we'd gotten ahead of it early. Um, and also spraying, uh, spraying glyphosate, but that's probably not going to be your best option. But repeated applications of that would kill out the Bermuda grass. And it, that's why I asked about the strength of the centipede. So another chemical where you can suppress the Bermuda grass. I don't know that I'm going to say it right, but you may want to write it down. Okay. Sethoxidem. I hope I'm saying that right, but that's going to be the active ingredient in the herbicide that you're wanting to use. So it's Seth, S-E-T-H, O-X-Y-D-I-M. So I don't know what products on the shelf are going to have that as the active ingredient, but spot spraying with that, that's a selective option because the centipede grass is tolerant of that, but multiple applications of it are going to harm the Bermuda, which is ultimately what we want to do. So since this is a little more selective, that's probably going to be a better choice for you than the glyphosate. The glyphosate is going to work just the same, but obviously it's very, you know, not selective in that if it's a windy day, it's going to spray, it's going to transfer to things you don't want it to, and so on and so forth. So when you go to the big box stores or the nurseries, have that active ingredient in your mind and kind of look for something there. Cis oxidum. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> Your pronunciation sounds better than mine. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll try that. All right, report back and let me know because I'm learning more and more. God, with Clint Waltz's help from the University of Georgia, I'm learning more and more about turf. So I would really like to know if that's effective for you since you've got such a large spot of Bermuda you want gone. How was that spelled again? S E T H O X Y D I M. Okay. And I'm, I'm certainly going to have some landscapers here shortly texting me, trying to tell me the correct, uh, correct pronunciation. But can't go wrong with the spelling. That's what you need to look for. Okay, thank you. All right, I love it. Good luck to you, Jimmy. Thank you so much. All right, after the break, talking to Danielle and Delonica up in North Georgia. Question about trimming lemon and lime trees. That's going to be really fun. We're going to take a break now, check traffic and weather, and we'll be right back with more of your calls to Green and Growing. I'm Ashley Frasca right here on WSB. All right, you guys are bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, coming at me with some great questions, and that is going to continue from 7.30 to 8 o'clock. Heck, maybe even 8 to 8.30. I have to think of my Saturday mornings in terms of half hours. Even when I get home, I'm like, okay, if I fry the eggs and cook the bacon, it'll be ready between 9.30 and 10, Then I can take a nap between 10.30 and 12.30. So excuse me for thinking in in radio clock terminology, but yeah, for the next hour, we'll take calls. 404-872-0750. DeMarco behind the board. Corey's answering your phone calls. Corey's been here since like before 4 a.m. 
Love that. And he's still just super friendly on the phones. So you'll get to talk to him first and then get on the air. Don't get nervous. It's super easy. And I guarantee your question is going to help somebody else who is experiencing maybe the same thing. Uh, Finley Roofing sponsors the weather update for you today. Mostly sunny day. High of around 77. Lows only getting into the mid-50s. Right now we're emerging from 52, 53 degrees, so it's a little chilly outside. If you're taking the dog out or going out on a morning run, you may want a, a light jacket. And then tomorrow, mostly sunny skies. High of 80 and lows around 58. Green and growing! Green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. So coming up in the next half hour, we're going to talk a little bit about pruning uh, citrus trees. And I want to tell you about pruning early flowering azaleas, the first ones that started flowering out in early April. Now that they're finished, it's time to prune those as well. So one of the first things you need to do with larger azaleas, remove tall sprouts at the base. So start kind of looking in the center of the shrub, removing those tall limbs that maybe, you know, leaf out above the rest and kind of shade it out. Remove that, then remove, you know, do some heading cuts down to new points of growth if you need to reduce the size of those. Some azaleas even tolerate major, major drastic pruning now, and everything will be fine by next spring. And also pruning out leafless limbs from shade trees, right? So if they don't have leaves on them by now, it may be a dead limb. It may already kind of be disjointed from the tree a little bit. It's okay to prune those out. Uh, number two, we're going to be talking about this in the 8 o'clock hour, tropical vines. Just how to get a tropical garden and immerse yourself in something really s colorful and really summer-like. So tropical vines are good at mailboxes. Have you thought about that? And you'll do your mail carrier a favor, too. Really nice to look at bright flowers all summer long. Some suggestions are mandevilla, bougainvillea, or clematis. And clematis is already blooming, flowering out, looking great. Uh, once the show's over, I'm putting together a little photo collage of all these different flowering vines. You can kind of tell the difference and maybe which one's best for you and which colors. And number three, it is time to plant all summer vegetables. I don't think you have an excuse for this weekend to not get that done. So okra, pumpkin, sweet potato, watermelon, black-eyed peas, butter peas, never done that. Butter beans, never done that either. And then, of course, the classic uh, tomatoes and peppers, doing those myself. Okra, I'm going to start from seed. Um, I'm really interested to see how that's going to go. And I'm late, but I'm going to soak those tonight. I'm going to soak them overnight and then just pop them in the ground tomorrow and hope for the best. We'll see. All right, Danielle from Dahlonega is up first with that question about pruning citrus trees. And I want to hear from you, 404 8720750. You know it's green and growing. We're halfway through. You're listening to WSB. A chilly morning around Metro Atlanta, still hovering in the mid 50s. So you want a light jacket on if you're just getting ready to get off the clock and head home or maybe heading out for the day. Good morning. Glad you're spending your Saturday morning with me, Ashley Frasca, of course, from the traffic team, Monday through Friday. Heard during Atlanta's morning news, and I, I always seem to get off at 9 a.m. Monday through Friday when Atlanta's morning news is over, and this show is over at 9 o'clock. Dave Baker's already in the house to host Home Fix It coming up from 9 to noon. Hope you're getting into something fun this weekend for sure. And I've had a very active week on the Facebook page, so I invite you to hop over there on Facebook. Search Green and Growing WSB, and you see the Facebook page there. Uh, I share a lot of things throughout the week. And every Monday, man, I am coming up with no shortage of a photo for the Weed of the Week photo album. When I take the dog for a walk or I'm out at various places, all of us have so many weeds in our lawns, my goodness. And that's okay. 
So there, at that photo album, Weed of the Week, uh, you can check that out every Monday. I try to post a picture of a new weed, help you identify it, how to treat it. And, of course, you call and you get some of the same advice here, 404 872 So up first this half hour, we'll talk to Danielle in Dahlonega. Hey, Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you. What's going I'm on? Having, well, my lemon and lime are on my back deck, and they're doing great. They're starting to flower and produce fruit. Is it too late to trim? And if it isn't, how do I trim them? Now, what's the reason for you wanting to prune? They just look really um, over overgrowth. I haven't ever trimmed them, and I've had them probably for five years. Okay, so pruning more for size, right? Um, no, just it, they just look really thick in the center, and I have no idea how they're supposed to look. Okay. Generally, pruning on citrus trees um, on an annual basis is completely unnecessary. I guess the fact that you've never done it, maybe. Um, so start with removing suckers. That's That's key number one to the citrus. So you can see suckers. They're easily identified. The newly emerged sucker, kind of a bright green color, and appears near a union, you know, and you can just usually break those off. If you get them early, there's no cut necessary. And then I would wait until winter time to do most of your pruning. Um, Wait until the lemons have ripened and all of that before you even think about pruning. So kind of go in stages. First, you want to prune off Anything that looks dead or damaged or anything like that, cut it right back to the base of the trunk of the tree. Um, And then you want to maybe take away some of the wispy stems, you know, that just are not going to be able to support the fruit. They're not going to be able to hold it. Weak stems, they just don't hold fruit well. Cut anything that's maybe smaller than a pencil or smaller, you know, not as big around as your pinky finger. Um, And then I would just cut any stems that are intercrossing in the plant. So kind of keep stepping back, take a look. You know, if they're kind of all growing into each other, then that's too leafy, too thick, like you said, maybe in the middle. So cross out some of those stems that intercross, and that's going to improve airflow and reduce disease and all of that. So pretty simple with, with citrus trees. Don't overthink it for sure, but not a necessary task. But, yeah, in your case, if it's never been done, one good pruning will probably serve you well for a number of years coming up. Okay, but wait till the fall? Yeah. Uh, Except any, any little little suckers that are growing. Yes, yeah. The minute you see those, go ahead and break those off because they're going to really just kind of ruin the shape. They're, you know, taking energy away from the plant. But wait till winter. Okay, but it it flowers. It starts to flower in January. You so may I usually get too flowering. Yeah, and when when did you say the fruit's setting? Um, sometimes in January and sometimes like now. Okay, so once you get that winter crop, you know, because we do see a lot of the citrus in the wintertime, wait till all the fruits ripened, you've picked off all of the ripening, the ripened fruit, then do it. Uh So you may lose, you know, a few and you're always going to run that risk uh, when you do a little bit of pruning, but it's going to increase the health overall, you know, for the plant for the long term. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Good luck. I love that. I've never had a Meyer lemon tree and that's so exciting. That's something so easy and it makes the house just so bright. And so cheerful when you've got that inside. Thanks, Danielle. I appreciate the call. All right. Up next, we have Steve in Gainesville. Here come the questions about tomato plants. Hey there. Good morning. Uh, Yes, we grow tomatoes every year, and they always do well. And eventually the stems start turning yellow. Then we'll trim those off whenever we get a yellow one. Last year I tried Epsom salts. 
over the winter, we put plastic over the garden and let it bake. We've read that you could bake the soil with the sun and get it <clears throat> maybe sterile. Sure. But um, just wondering what your thoughts on that. And should we plant them, uh, maybe buy dirt and put each plant in its own dirt? Okay. And, and you've already you've already planted the tomatoes this season, right? Uh, we're planting them today. Ah, very good. Very good. All right, Steve, I have a couple of thoughts about, you know, your anticipation of the stems turning yellow. So I think you're doing well. And, and how are you doing with the soil? You know, like you said, really wanting to kind of sterilize that with the heat of the sun and stuff. What do you do as far as crop rotation goes? Uh, usually, <clears throat> um, I don't have a big garden. It's only 200 square feet. So um, <clears throat> we try to move things around and I didn't get to it this year. Usually I plant ryegrass in the winter and let that grow in there, but uh, we got busy and missed that opportunity. So sometimes yellowing leaves, you know, I mean, that's perfectly normal for tomato plants, and a lot of folks are just quick to remove those, and that's fine, and also removing suckers, you know, as they start to come out from the stem and a main branch kind of at a 45 degree angle in the middle, removing suckers as well to uh, increase the airflow. And if you leave the suckers, that's fine. They're going to bear fruit. Those branches are going to bear fruit. But if you remove the suckers, it's even better just to make the limbs that are on there that you're going to keep even healthier. But when you do start to have some wilt, there's a chance that maybe um, it's either fusarium wilt, which I talked about in the last hour with someone else's plant, or uh, verticillium wilt. So either one of those are a fungus that you really don't want, the fungus that lives in the soil. Um, so that could be something. Um, what it's doing when the stems turn yellow, it kind of keeps the transportation of the water and the nutrients up from the roots. It kind of halts it getting into the, the leaves. You know, it's kind of stifled right there in the stem. Um, so good practices with making sure you've got good soil, crop rotation, that kind of thing. Now, Epsom salt, I'm going to let folks call in on that because I've not been growing tomatoes long enough to really have a scientific opinion on, you know, whether or not that's going to really help. But if there's a fungus in the, uh, in the soil, then we've got a whole different problem. So, okay. Yeah, and I almost yeah, wonder with your selection of tomato plants, too, there's so many things on the tag of these tomato plants in the nurseries that we don't really know how to read, but there's a lot of key things on that tag when you're looking at the plants you want to buy, choosing wilt-resistant varieties, and there's going to be so many that are able to kind of overcome these problems. And that's just one of my suggestions, Steve. It may not be a wilt. It may not be a problem with your soil. Um, it could just be simply, you know, some stems don't, you know, they, they don't need to survive on the plant. They yellow, you cut them off, and, and you go about your your life. Um, but that could be, you know, worst case scenario. Does that sound like what's happening or what has happened in the past to you? Yeah. So we were thinking of, you know, each plant, maybe digging a hole and put some clean, fresh dirt in each hole and let them start with a new piece of dirt. Yeah, I think so too. And not planting like you're, you're holding out till today, which I think is smart. And I did it uh, yesterday, I put my tomatoes in the ground yesterday, not doing it at a time when the soil is really, really just oversaturated and wet too. God knows I wanted to plant them a week or two ago, but we had two Mondays in a row. I remember two consecutive Mondays where we had those really, really heavy rains about two and three weeks back. Um, so planting in the dirt and in the soil 
when that's the case and everything is still so saturated, the soil's compacted, the roots aren't going to, you know, be able to move through the soil as well when everything's so heavily compacted. So you're you're planting at a good day, though, when things have had a chance to dry out um, and the soil is in a little bit better condition. So if anybody has some some advice for Steve, maybe adding some perlite and introducing new soil, making sure it, it gets airflow and things like that, I would welcome you to call. And like I said, with, you know, adding eggshells to the soil, I don't really put a lot of stock in that, but Epsom salt, things you can do to get ahead of fungus in the soil. And God knows, you know, all of these tomato problems that we have. Also, Steve, you have inspired me to um, share an article. This is like in my arsenal because <laughs> I know every year, every summer, I'm going to get questions about tomatoes because as easy as they are, like pepper plants to grow and they're good for beginning gardeners, there are 20, if not more, things that could go wrong with tomato plants. So I've got this great article that I often reference some of the most common problems. So we see wilts, we see uh, insect and disease, and it kind of gives you guidance for every one of those things you may see. So I may share that on the Green and Growing WSB Facebook page so you can kind of get ahead of it, identify what you've had in the past, and then this article kind of gives you the the tools and the things you may need to get ahead of it this year. So yeah, if anyone has any advice for Steve, get ready to put those tomato plants in the ground. 404-872-0750. When we come back from break, checking back on that traffic red alert with Mike Shields in the traffic center, the top three things you need to do aside from planting your tomatoes in the landscape this weekend. It's going to be a great weekend to get out there and do some pruning, do some other things, do some planting. So I'll share that with you next. I'm Ashley Frasca. It's Green and Growing on WSB. Now 54 degrees in Midtown Atlanta. You know, going back to the thought of wilts and fungus that live in the soil, especially where you're putting tomato plants. Talked a little bit about uh, crop rotation, like long rotations, 46 years to non-hosts can help reduce, you know, the fungus in the soil. Uh, doesn't completely control it, but also good sanitation practices too from year to year as you're using those same raised beds, remove and destroy anything that was diseased right at the end of the season. And you also want to clean all the tools that you use and maybe the tomato cages, the tomato steaks, and other things like that as you're finished with them for the year. Um, And proper fertilization, you know, just to make the plant as tough and as strong as possible. But when I was talking about the tags on, you know, wilt-resistant varieties of tomatoes, when you're looking at those tags, like I said, there's so much on that small little tag that you really need to pay attention to. V is on there for verticillium uh, wilt resistance. There's F. For fusarium wilt, and all of those are going to be seen. I mean, those are two different uh, fungal problems, but they're going to be seen, you know, as a yellowing of the leaves, sometimes from the bottom of the plant up. Uh, and then with the number one, two, or three, that kind of corresponds to what race or what variety of the fusarium that they're resistant to. And also a lot of folks being interested in planting heirloom varieties of tomatoes. That's really this big and growing industry. But unfortunately, a lot of those just don't have that resistance to the wilts that we're talking about. So kind of keep that in mind if you have problems year after year. All right, time for this. Green Green and Growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. One of those things, like many of us are doing, is plant the summer vegetables. We're kind of getting the last call for that. So you've maybe got okra, aside from your tomatoes and peppers, pumpkin, sweet potato, 
Uh, peanuts, watermelon. I've not really ever gotten a call from anybody growing peanuts, and I'm kind of glad about that because I don't know that I would guide you properly on that. Uh, black-eyed peas, those kinds of things. This weekend is going to be really good, so get all the bags of uh, garden you know, vegetable soil that you need and go to town, have some mulch handy. Number two, prune early flowering azaleas. I'm going to get into that a little more in detail right after 8 o'clock, but the early flowering ones, they're finished blooming. They've just got those wilted kind of browning flowers on them, so it's a great time to cut those back. I'll tell you how in just a few minutes. And number three, which we're going to be talking to Pike Nurseries about this, at the bottom of the hour at 8.30, tropical gardens. So one thing in mind, maybe vines, flowering bright-colored vines at your mailbox for all the neighbors to see. Uh, You can try Mandevilla, Clematis, Bougainvillea. Those are just a couple of the ones that are popular that you may see, and I'm going to post a picture of the difference of actually four very common flowering vines that are great for summer so you at least know the difference if you've seen one at your neighbor's house and you're like that what's that one i've never seen something like that you'll at least be able to kind of identify and tell the difference hop over to the green and growing wsb facebook page that's where i share a lot of info with you as well as some pictures from my trip to Serenby farms recently and you just heard about that trip at six o'clock at the top of the show you'll have a chance to listen back if you missed it go to wsbradio.com and you can also listen to podcasts of this very show on Google Play and Spotify when you search Green and Growing. But you're here now, and we're going to be taking calls for the 8 o'clock hour, 404-872-0750. And to lead us off, it'll be Mike up first calling from Riverdale. What to use to get rid of weeds in the backyard? Well, I got a couple of questions for Mike. We'll hear from you in just a few minutes. We'll be back to Green and Growing on WSB. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase. It's a culture, and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.